from India's largest newsroom I'm Arun George and this is the Times of India podcast Sambhal where a restaurant owner has now been arrested for selling non-vegetarian fare wrapped in newspapers with pictures of Hindu gods it's a poster for a documentary by filmmaker Leena Mani Mekalai and it's hit a nerve in India because of the way it portrays goddess Kali in the poster she's shown smoking and waving a gay pride banner a man who worked as a tailor was slashed to death by two radicals simply because he supported nupur sharma in an online post indians have never taken very kindly to their gods being insulted in fact we even have a section of law to protect our religious sentiments section 295a of the indian penal code says that deliberately outraging a community's religious feelings could land you in jail for up to 4 years the concept of blasphemy or committing an act that violates something sacred has been around for centuries now The most recent controversy in India came up when former BJP spokesperson Nupur Sharma made a statement about Prophet Muhammad that was deemed sacrilege. Since then, there have been two murders, and in both cases police say the victims were individuals who supported Nupur Sharma's stand on social media. But there have been other unusual cases as well. A documentary filmmaker is facing criticism over a poster for her documentary that features the goddess Kali. A restaurant owner in Uttar Pradesh has been arrested for selling meat wrapped in a newspaper that carried the images of Hindu gods. To make sense of all of this, we're speaking with prominent mythologist Devdutt Patnaik. In his conversation with us, Devdutt tells my colleague Jairaj Singh and me when the concept of blasphemy emerged. We also discuss how it's been conveniently used for a while now, what our gods say about how they want to be treated, and what our texts tell us to do if someone insults our gods. we've had two recent instances one is a poster of kali which is drawn outrage and then you had you've had one person who was arrested because there was meat in a newspaper which had an image of a of a god because we have idol worship and we look at we also appropriate the the image of god in our eyes right um is there is there certain incongruence over how we perceive our gods and is there a way that we shouldn't be perceiving them when we create them in idol structures see we have to recognize that others may not agree with our version of god the problem here is we are saying my version of god should be accepted by everyone right hindu person may not like to be step on paper or a note rupee note but an american doing it should not offend me and i'll say cut their hand legs and hands off this is just lack of wisdom that your way of living is not going to be accepted by others so i can create blasphemy laws at every level there is no guideline it is the ego at work ego doesn't listen to reason rationality kindness gentleness gracefulness generosity these are words which are evil for the ego Devdutt, do we know when this concept of blasphemy emerged, and what's the logic behind enforcing a concept like blasphemy? Let's step back and ask uh, fundamentally: How do human communities control each other? Like, how do I control a group of people? 
One model is force, physical force. The other is what is called hegemony, where you sort of accept a story and you don't need kind of a physical enforcement to make you do things. Now, as part of hegemony, you have the stories. Rituals, practices, which you will tell come from a higher source. or a, And if you see tribal communities, they had this concept of taboo. Right? All kinds of concepts emerge um, which tell you how to control the behavior of a community. So we must trace blasphemy to this idea of taboo. As societies and states become larger and larger and larger, they need newer forms of control. And blasphemy as we know it today emerges in the Christian world. Um, it emerges in the Roman uh, Empire. What we call religion becomes a political lever only in the Roman Empire. Uh, when the Roman emperor becomes Christian, he says, no other god shall be worshipped. Now, this is a unique idea because it was not there before, say, 3rd, 4th century AD in Rome. Nobody bothered about this idea. You all did your own thing. So the Jewish uh, people believed in one god, but they didn't impose it on others. Early Christians did not impose it on others. Uh, what we call Christianity today really emerges along with the Roman Empire. The emperor decree, that was his way of controlling. So it was nothing to do with Christianity. It had to do with his power. And, you know, I was just checking data. And this is the first time the, it becomes a legal thing is in the 19th century in the Dutch world. So, yeah, it's something we must remind ourselves that it has its roots in these colonial powers. The Roman Empire and then becomes the European powers. That's the origin of it. While some faiths like Islam and Christianity, like you said, have very defined things that constitute blasphemy, how come Hinduism does not? So, I mean, at one level, you can say that Hinduism is kind of a pre-religious. Some people use the word polytheistic. Some people use the word pagan. It's not centrally controlled. Anything which is not centrally controlled but is based on continuous negotiation between groups of people will not have the concept of blasphemy. It is like I have my taboo, you have your taboo and we figure out a way of negotiating with each other and the boundaries keep shifting constantly. Uh, but if you want to, uh, you know, create a fight, like for example, um, look at a temple which where... Uh, Purity and pollution are important ideas. There would be a not violence, but a lot of anger if you break a particular set of rules. In Odisha, for example, when the food is being served to Jagannath, if somebody by error touches the man who is carrying the pot containing food, all the food will be burnt and thrown. The man will be not killed or anything, but he'll be told that you have polluted things. So this idea of rejection, it's there in Hinduism. Today, when we talk about blasphemy laws, it's about loss of life, loss of freedom. It's a very extreme, hyperbolic, solar, you know, we are apparently rational and scientific and enlightened people. And therefore, our forms of cruelty are worse than that of savages. And with Christianity and Islam, there is also certain things, right? Like, um, say with Islam, there is no pictorial depiction of the Prophet Muhammad. Um, with Christianity, I don't even really know what exactly constitutes blasphemy, but you know the concept exists. How do faiths kind of negotiate that what constitutes it when it's not defined? Or is it then becomes this thing of, I think it's blasphemy and therefore it becomes blasphemous? 
You know, the latter is true. I think, and here I is the king, the one who wants power. Right? Let's be clear that Islam is a very vast religion. Christianity is a very vast religion. There is no, it's not homogenous. We tend to, in you know, debating societies, reduce them to what is convenient. Let's take Islam, for example. There are depictions of the Prophet Muhammad in Islamic art in Middle East. Lots of them. Um, they were there, early stages. And they, it was very clear that they are not to be worshipped. But they are meant for illustrative purposes. And there are images. Earlier they were images without any uh, veil on him. Later there are images of him with a veil. Then gradually he disappears. And then it is not there. So, And it really happens as Islam goes through crisis. In the caliphate period, art emerges. In the Safavid empire, the art, Islamic art is thriving. But the moment the Mongol invasion takes place, uh, there is a kind of fear and it becomes the withdraw into a kind of a puritanism and imagery is banned. So it changes with time. It's not that it is not there. It also depends on how wise and how empathetic and how kind your rulers are, how less insecure they are. So it's a function of that. In Christianity, it again varies. You know, the Protestants had fights with uh, Catholics. These ideas are not there in the Bible. Jesus says nothing on homosexuality, not one word. But the um, Catholic Church is the most homophobic church on earth. Why? Because Jesus said nothing. So where did your ideas come from? So we select, pick and choose, cherry pick that this is Islam and cherry pick. And it happens with both the inner inside group and the out group. They all pick and choose whatever they want to pick and choose. You know, Islam, God is the merciful one, right? That's how God is described. Why are his followers not merciful? All Islam can't be bracketed under that. It's a function of space and time which is very difficult for uh, politicians to understand. And they don't like it because they want to simplify these things. And, and when you say politicians, it could be the, the mediator. Anyone who wants power, anyone who wants power is a politician. Now, anyone who gives power is not a politician. Anyone who takes power is a politician. How does Hinduism deal with this construct? Because you have what is clearly something that is alien to it being brought in. So then what is the confusion that brings in? And see, it doesn't matter. See, blasphemy is a very, very powerful political tool. So what do Hindus do? They, have, they said, oh, this is a great power. Now we need it too. So you create these new rules that meat is not to be offered to the Hindu gods. Cigarette has not to be held by Hindu gods. Alcohol must not be, is not part of Hinduism. You create these rules. Previously, they were created by Brahmins. Now they're created by Hindi-speaking belt. Whatever the Hindi-speaking belt says is Hinduism becomes Hinduism. And everybody has to align with it. Devdutt, within our mythology, what is, a, what is the appetite of our gods for taking offense? None. There's no, there's no, um, there offense. No of, of gods being offended. So let's understand philosophically. The Atma does not experience offense. Atma is tranquil, Satchidanand. It's not conditional Satchidanand. I will be at peace and calm only if you say good things about me. No. The Ahankar, the ego, which is frightened and insecure and 
ignorant and unhappy is terrified and therefore wants you know this um, constant gratification and therefore gets is oversensitive and hypersensitive and gets upset and so anger outrage are all aspects of the ahankara not of the atma गॉड्स डू शो इन स्टोरीज दे विल से शिव जी को गुस्सा आया एंड दिल से ये भगवान की तो लीला है इट्स अ परफॉर्मेंस इट्स अ परफॉर्मेंस टू हेल्प यू अंडरस्टैंड ही शोज मॉक एंगर द वे अ मदर गेट्स मॉक एंग्री वेन द चाइल्ड डज नॉट ईट फूड वी अंडरस्टैंड दैट मदर्स विल डू दिस परफॉर्मेंस टू गेट द चाइल्ड ऑनलाइन यू नो दिस अ वेरी फेमस स्टोरी इन महाभारत Uh, where krishna is insulted a thousand times or a hundred times shishupala and he said he had promised his mother that i will forgive your son a thousand times and then people said that oh, he cut his head off see even krishna got offended but that's an incomplete story the story says that in his previous life and in hinduism is based on rebirth that shishupala was the doorkeeper of heaven and he, because of certain circumstances he was cursed to be born on earth so this was actually a leela a performance to get him back to heaven hinduism mein sachidanand god is like foolish people will say foolish things relax even we na you and i i can abuse you and you can really get offended but then calm down and it's okay i'll keep quiet you choose your reaction you don't go immediately to the kitchen and pick out a hatchet to cut my head off the question is when do you cross the line this why special treatment for the gods who are conceptual ideas Uh, why should you? Why is it okay to insult uh, human beings? Can you give us some examples of how, in mythology, gods react when an offense is committed or when somebody crosses the line? See, the thing I mean, difficult to give because there is no line. There is no line. See, Lakshman Rekha is the way people use this word. Lakshman Rekha, Lakshman Rekha. They keep saying Lakshman Rekha for the woman. Lakshman Rekha is for the man. Lakshman Rekha was done for Ravan, not for Sita. So it's how the patriarch reinterprets the idea to suit his narrative and his control. So the story is like a, you know, Draupadi laughed when Duryodhan fell in water. He could have just looked at her and called her "you stupid woman" and walked away with grace. But he decided that I will disrobe you in public because you crossed the line. Now that's a function of the ego. right or look at um, kansa smashing the heads of children to protect himself it's it's psychopathy it's a psychological problem we hear of dronacharya uh, asking the thumb of ekalavya he asks for the thumb of ekalavya but in the battlefield he loses his own head so the story is balanced there are a lot of balancing forces happening so the concept of this line and the line should not be broken is uh, you know a constructed these are like constructed narratives see ultimately it's about people creating these stories and how you retell these stories are you a kind person or an unkind cruel person that's the bottom line is this blasphemy laws exist in a fragile ecosystem of egotistical people is that the society we want to live in we can reprimand people and say please don't do it next time it's not don't do it but people do it because they want to tease you because they found your achilles heel so be careful 
because it'll just explode into a very ugly place and it is going in that direction. So all these blasphemous laws are not going to create respect for you at all. You will become the uncle who gets offended every time a cricket ball comes to the house. But what does blasphemy do to uh, the following of a faith in some ways? Does it sort of close it off? It becomes uh, a controlled ecosystem. Guruji will tell you what is right and what is wrong. And it is good for people who outsource their intelligence. Many people are very comfortable just following and they don't want to take decisions at all. But a large number don't want to do that. So as long as the guru is there, the th maybe that group will survive and then the group crumbles. So nothing lasts forever in this world. But inside it is a toxic ecosystem, right? Because then I, the number of blasphemy laws will only keep increasing. You just get your ego satisfied. You'll say that, you know, I read the Bhagavad Gita. Bhagavad Gita is not about blasphemy. Bhagavad Gita is about temper management. So to be clear, in, in Hinduism, there is no understanding of blasphemy. There is no room for it. In no religion, there is room for blasphemy. No religion. It is the power-hungry politician who uses religion and terminologies of religions and makes it carved in stone. They are not carved in stone. Nothing is carved in stone. But do the text actually tell us what to do to deal with blasphemy? Yes, they tell shrug it off. Grow up. Don't be a child. But nobody wants to grow up, right? Because childhood is such a lovely place to be irresponsible. Today's episode was produced by Jairaj Singh, Sunai Marathe and Anuja Singh. For a daily spotlight on people, ideas and stories that matter, subscribe to us. We're available on TY+, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts and all other platforms of your choice. For any news tips, email us at tuipodcast at timesinternet.in.